Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. All right, well, everybody, we're, we're back here with yet another episode of the Hughes Digital Transformation of Business podcast. You're joined here by a couple of the normal usual suspects, myself, Curtis Campbell, Senior Marketing Manager with Hughes, and Chuck Keeler, a Creative Director with Hughes on the Enterprise team. How are you doing? Glad to have you again. And then we're also joined by our good friend, Nick Koval, who's a network architect on the Hughes Enterprise team. So, Nick, if you wouldn't, uh, if you would just get us started, just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. So I've been, you know, with Hughes for 18 years in, uh, in a variety of different roles, from engineering to marketing to business development. Right now, I'm focusing on next generation network architecture for a variety of our technology solutions that focus on the wide area network, and SD WAN being one of the most topical technology topics that we're focused on today, enabling IT organizations to connect their distributed endpoints through uh, the internet. You know, admittedly, Chuck and myself, we're, we're really passionate about the digital media side of the, of the organization. And so we're really excited to have somebody from the all-inclusive network side. You know, for the people that don't know a lot about network technologies, let's just talk about SD-WAN. What does SD-WAN mean and, wh- and what are the various applications? Sure. Well, SD-WAN, by definition, is software-defined wide area networks. And so, you know, 10 years ago, we had a variety of different WAN technologies that we would use to connect distributed or separate business locations. And today, now that the internet has become a very usable uh, and and attractive option for connectivity, SD-WAN solutions are focusing on building this over-the-top connectivity fabric that uses VPN connections to securely connect business endpoints across the internet. So SD-WAN solutions are practically, are practically being used to connect business locations to other business locations, as well as to cloud data centers and corporate data centers to exchange information between users and applications. So I will continue to pretend that I really understand that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but, me uh, too. No, but that's, that's good stuff. You know, let's take a walk back into history a little bit. Let's, let's talk... Where did your space, from your perspective, start, you know, say 10 years ago? And what did it look like and where, you know, how have we gotten to where we are now? Well, I'll even take you a little bit back further since I started about 18 years ago. Let's rewind back to then. So when I came into the industry back then, um, wide area networking was kind of specialized. There was a specific set of technologies we used. And um, Hughes being a satellite company, that's what I was focused on delivering was using satellite connection or satellite technologies to connect businesses that had many locations. And then, you know, about 10 years ago, this internet thing was kind of born to the point where it was actually viable to use that technology to connect businesses together. And that created this kind of disruption. And then SD-WAN followed that about five years ago. But so in that 10-year-ago period, we were using a variety of technologies known as like MPLS and T1s that basically created dedicated connections between business locations. It would be a circuit or a pipe or something that allowed information to be exchanged between two, two locations that required data to be transmitted in a certain way. And before the internet, that was... That was using connections, connectivity solutions that were a little bit, they were kind of expensive and they were limited in features or capabilities. So in the last couple of years with the birth of SD-WAN and the use of the internet, 
Um, as IT organizations and different businesses have grown to adopt the cloud, which effectively is just delivering applications via the internet, these solutions have really evolved to use the benefits that come with the internet to connect all these endpoints together. So you're saying that the internet is used to connect the different locations of a business, so the different branches. Let's say you have a, a, a business where you have 20 bars. You own 20 bars in a metropolitan area, and you want to connect them. What, what exactly are you connecting? Are you connecting uh, data, information? Is it a communication thing? What exactly would you use SD-WAN technologies to connect your 20 restaurant or bar locations? Well, that's a good question. So primarily, you view this through the lens of digital information. So a, prime, a practical example would be in that bar uh, use case, you have uh, the bar that has to process transactions for customers to buy products or drinks or food. And in that environment, they swipe a credit card that initiates a digital transaction. That really requires information to be exchanged between that local bar premise and some technology partner, or I should say some payment partner in the financial business to authorize that transaction and then complete it on that premise. So SD-WAN is an example of technology that enables that secure communication across the internet from, that, from your bar back to the financial institution where that credit card payment is processed. All over the internet, whereas before it would have been some other connectivity, right? Yeah, so before the internet was used for this connectivity path, that bar or restaurant would have to establish dedicated connections between its locations and its partners or its vendors or even its data center if it has satellite like or through some other yeah yep okay hmm. guys if this takes us off it takes us down a path that we want to we're too premature on then fine but we live in a, a day and age where people demand information at all times prior to making a purchase i mean i i know i'm guilty of it i know that if i'm going to go buy something i go look and see how many reviews it has on amazon i may I may go buy something at Best Buy, but probably not because I'll probably still go buy it at, on Amazon because it's convenient and I can shop without pants on. So, um, <laughs> you know, so we're seeing these, we're seeing this happen. Uh, you know, we've kind of ushered in this generation. So of this whole concept of, of BOPIS. Nick, if you could, if you could just define what that means and where that transformation has really started. Well, BOPIS stands for Buy, Online, Pay, and Store. And really, this is the way that a brick and mortar retailer um, executes on the Amazon experience. So really, as a consumer like we all are, the folks behind the microphones and the folks behind the speakers that are listening to this, we all go out in, in the world and we buy things at, at stores. And so the process that we use to buy products in stores five years ago is different than it is today. Because back then, you'd have to go somewhere. Maybe you pick up a phone and call someone to ask if they had something. Today, Amazon has trained us that we should be able to pick up our phone and find out if that product is available at our local store or online, competitively shop for prices, and then actually make a payment purchase so that I can actually go and get that product within hours. So, and, that, and that's cool because, you know, if you really think about it, maybe, maybe that potentially hurts, you know, a company like Best Buy, but at the same time, if it's this buy online, pay and, you know, pick up in store, that actually, that's actually kind of a good thing because when they're buying something online, they've read the reviews, they've done the information, they've got, done their competitive shopping, as you said, and... Now they know that they've gotten that email that says their item is ready for pickup. They're now going to be walking into that store to go pick up something, and they may be presented with accompanying items. It's not, a, it's not all things are lost for the retailer, right? It gets people in the door, right? Right, exactly. Now, I think we've all been spoiled a little bit with Amazon, where we could go on there, we find the right thing, the right price, 
and then we have the two-day shipping. So it's delivered at our door in two days. But I think we're to the point now where we almost want it in two hours, maybe? Yeah. Or one hour? I think this is where Bopis really comes into play because you go, okay, I want that thing. Two days used to be awesome because we were used to five days, and then we got spoiled with two-day shipping and then maybe one-day shipping. But now I can do it, drive down the street, and I can have it in my hands in the next hour or so. Yeah, and, it, and Amazon is continuing to innovate and reduce the amount of time it takes from click to pickup or reception, right? They're using drones. They have same-day delivery in a lot of the metro locations. So they continue to make it easier and faster for you to get products. And that continues to drive the uh, brick-and-mortar retailers to react to that. So, you know, and when you look at a variety of different industries, it hasn't really happened in retail yet, but um, you can almost envision the fact that the only way to get a product to a consumer faster is for you to bring it to them, right? This is really what the food industry does, right? Yeah, I mean, groceries is a huge example of this. Yeah. My wife is, she she loves this. Back, back home, it's a Kroger thing. It's ClickList. If we sit down at the beginning of the week, she figures out her grocery list. She sits down that night using ClickList, goes online, chooses a delivery time, or not even, well, for that matter, a delivery time, but or a pickup time. Groceries are almost being left behind if they're not offering. Yeah, this. my wife and I use that for, for Giant's Peapod service to get it delivered within a two-hour window. That's convenient for us. And it's that same thing. It's trying to get the product into our hands faster. And all these companies, whether they're brick and mortar or online retailers, are, are just trying to innovate to do it as fast as they can. Do we anticipate major retailers delivering to our doorstep from the local branch location? Is that, gonna, is that happening right now or is that going to happen, do you think? Because you might say, hey, I could find that thing online buy it online, and then go down to Best Buy and pick it up and take it to my home. But you almost wonder if it's just easier to drive down to Best Buy to begin with, shop in person, pick something out in person, and then take it home. Uh, there might be something even a little bit more easy that Best Buy, a Best Buy driver or representative comes to my house and in one hour it's on my doorstep. Is that happening or is that going to be happening? Well, I'm not aware of it happening, but that I think is the exact trend that I would anticipate to see. So if you look at how Uber changed the, the transportation industry and they subsequently right now are changing the food delivery industry with yes. Uber Eats. I mean, the natural propagation of optimizing the logistics delivery pipeline for products to consumers would be to insert their driver's network into a retail supply chain so that they could, you could go on your Uber retail app, maybe it's Uber Eats for food and Uber Retail or whatever they call it, and then you could go to your Best Buy, store, Best Buy in their app and select the products that you could have them deliver to your doorstep. Um, I can definitely see them working to disrupt that part of the consumer industry as well. So grocery delivery is, like we said, like Curtis was mentioning, it's, it's begun. That's a, a very viable option right now. And so hopefully we can look to the near future and see that maybe if I buy something from Kohl's, Best Buy, and Target on their online apps, maybe there's a way that those things are going to be delivered, perhaps by the same driver, maybe not, to my doorstep in the next couple of hours. Now I'm not so tempted to only buy things on Amazon. My daughter's obsessed with packages and that's how we buy all, our, all of our stuff. It comes in from Amazon, Amazon packages and she gets so excited every time a new package comes in. I, I wanna kinda dig into this a little bit more. So even Chuck, you kinda ushered in this part of the discussion of 
you know, let's say a, a, a traditional brick and mortar store, say Amazon or JCPenney or Target or whatever, start offering this, you know, same day delivery, right? So from, from your perspective as a network art, architect, you know, kind of walk us through what, what do they need to have in place from a, from a technology standpoint to be able to pull this off? Well, that's a good point. If you look at how the brick and mortar retailers are executing on this use case to get the products, to get the, 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 the users or the consumers connected to their inventory and purchasing it and picking it up, the cloud is in the middle. So from a technology standpoint, IT organizations needed to deploy these new applications to connect the users to the inventory. At the end of the day, that's what they're doing. And they found that it was much easier to deploy these mobile applications in the cloud. It was easier to work with third-party developers to create them. As long as you could plumb connectivity to the internet, you could leverage commodity development services to build these things in Amazon, AWS, Microsoft Azure, whatever your cloud platform of choice or partner of choice is. So because that's the most economical and most and the fastest way to get these applications to market, the IT teams that are part of the connectivity equation, which are the folks that have to do the SD-WAN and the wide area networking that create that, that exchange of digital information, they now have to figure out how to connect the local stores to the cloud, the cloud to the user's mobile phone, and all of these things have to work in real time and in tandem with each other so that this communication path is clear of, of errors and the, the quality of the experience, the user experience is high, so that when a user tries to buy that product and make that purchase, that it's a seamless and frictionless experience every time. So on the technology side, the IT organizations are deploying the applications in the cloud, and then they're seeking these SD-WAN technologies to create that connectivity to connect the, the stores to the cloud to the users. So if I understand you correctly, this whole SD-WAN transformation that we're neck deep in right now is really just enabling these brick and mortar retailers to just do more with their existing connections. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. As part of what you just mentioned with this technology that needs to be present, are we talking a, a big, huge upfront capital expenditure? Or are we talking about just more of like a consultative approach? I mean, maybe walk us through what that looks like. Well, that's a good point. So from the IT like buyer's journey perspective, where it really depends on where the different business initiatives are driving the, organ the IT organization. And so it doesn't, while the technology has a different like consumption model, a different pricing model than the previous WAN technology, generally over time, you launch more initiatives to drive revenue growth in different areas. And that ultimately leads to a little bit more spend. So the SD-WAN technologies are generally adding aligning with the spend increase, but they're practically allowing the businesses to launch these initiatives that weren't able to launch with the previous technology. So BAPAS is an example of a retail use case that really was not feasible in the legacy WAN architecture because the applications that the IT organization was developing back then didn't require the cloud. And really SD-WAN enables communication over the internet or the cloud. So if you're a business that doesn't depend on the cloud or use the cloud or use the internet for, connect, for, for services or applications to provide to your users, SD-WAN technology may not be cut out for you. 
So if we look at some of the, the stats from our recent study that we commissioned Forrester for, 30% of distributed businesses in the retail and restaurant space have deployed SD-WAN today, and 52% are looking to have it deployed in two years. So that kind of helps validate that the technology is really mainstream and entering its wide adoption phase. So on a comfort level, multiple industries are, are recognizing that this technology can really help them drive new business initiatives and the, and the wide adoption rate is helping mature the technology. So four or five years ago, everybody was worried about being omni-channel ready. Are we out of that? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we, out, are we in the clear when it comes to being omni-channel? Has this technology helped us become omni-channel ready? And, and for those of you not familiar, it's, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's where there was this issue, and there may still be the issue, where a retailer might have one system for the in-store brick-and-mortar uh, purchases and a different system for their online purchases. They'd almost compete with each other. Prices may be different and that the brick and mortar store manager wouldn't necessarily want to send you to the online counterpart because that purchase may not benefit his store. And there was a lot of disconnect. There was a lot of even competition between the two. Are we seeing that that has been mostly fixed out there in the world? Is it, is, has this technology helped us with the, the problem of being omni-channel or not being omni-channel ready? That's a good question. I, I think omni-channel is an example of vernacular that has just changed um, its, its shape in the industry. But I think you, had a, you, you, you described that pretty well. The, the concept that I, omni-channel tries to capture is synchronizing a buyer's experience between the online experience and the brick-and-mortar experience. And there's a lot of different challenges associated with that. Disparative systems, like you said, there's business implications to the local stores trying to meet their sales numbers because when you look at the, these retailers, they weren't born with the, with the warehouse logistical backend that Amazon built. So they had to add that and then synchronize these channels or synchronize these elements of their, their sales process and their supply chain. So... I do think that while, you know, we don't really be, we're not really talking about omnichannel anymore, I think the objectives that omnichannel kind of addresses are continuing to be addressed in the industry today and, and the bigger retailers are really mastering that. The, the retailers that are succeeding and continuing to grow their business in today's date have mastered that skill. Chuck and I, we both heard that you were recently invited to uh, speak at the SD-WAN Summit in Paris just a few weeks ago. And what we really, I think, would be really entertaining and really exciting for our audience to see and, well, not see because it's a podcast, but uh, listen to mm. would be, um, you know, what were some of the things you were hearing? What are the reoccurring themes? What were the things you were sharing? What were the things you were learning? Where do you see the industry going? Yeah, well, I will say that the event is, is you know, SD-WAN is, um, you know, becoming mainstream. So it was, uh, it's kind of like a nerd fest. So it's a bunch of guys <laughs> talking about technology, <laughs> use cases, and, and a variety of different things. But there were some themes that emerged, right? We, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of becoming mainstream. The technology is being widely adopted. So people are paying a little bit more attention to the different ways to buy it or consume it because that there's, a lot of, there's a lot of change happening and growth in different parts of the IT industry about how SD-WAN solutions are sold and distributed, deployed, installed. So there's, there's a, what we learned, what was kind of apparent by listening to um, enterprise customers ask questions of the suppliers is that they want um, more control over the technology. They want help 
from providers to help deploy and manage the complexities associated to the connectivity and managing the variability of the different technologies that the internet has inherently some variability in it, but they also want some control. And so <coughs> service providers are, are struggling to meet that balance of how they enable customers to control their network policy or how their, how their communication uh, networks c um, behave versus allowing a partner to help manage a certain subset for them. So there's, there's a kind of a shift in the industry as it matures to um, leaning towards uh, enterprises seeking uh, help from, from experienced providers to, on the implementation side. So you go to Paris, you give this speech, and you didn't invite us to attend, right? Oh, wait, I think you might, it might have just got lost in the mail, maybe? Or does that still happen? How do you explain yourself? I don't really have a good excuse, except um, I think I have a receipt that I, when I took it to the UPS store locally, I can validate that your content was in that envelope. Oh, well, <laughs> next time, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but next time we'll plan a nice trip out there. We'll get a whole bunch of croissants and a lot of French presses. I don't, well, with, with an SD-WAN backhaul, I bet you we can. Oh, perfect. That's exactly. We can incorporate, we can provide some of that technology to increase, make that optimal user experience. Yeah, All right, let's do it. Well, cool. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the yet another episode of us rambling on about our passions involving the uh, digital transformation across business. And again, our special thanks to Nick Koval for joining us. And uh, be sure to tune in. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. And we'd uh, love to have you subscribe, and we'll be doing these uh, episodes more. Thanks again. Thank Great. you, Nick. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to coming back sometime in the future.